It is time for episode number eight of By All Means here on Western Reserve Radio. I am your host, Mark Means. Ryan Alessio will join us here shortly. Dave Ferris is at our Struthers Studios keeping us on the air. Today's show brought to you by Mill Creek Golf Course. Make sure to book your tee time for the upcoming Memorial Day weekend at MillCreekMetroParks.org. And a Mark Tusio Chiropractic. Find us on Facebook, Western Reserve Digital Radio. Find us online at the Live 365 app or on TuneIn or go to westernreserveradio.com. You can pick up the phone and join us after our opening guest by calling 330-707-4202. Coming up on today's show, we are happy to be joined by Pittsburgh Pirates Radio and Television and Play-by-Play Man since 1994, Greg Brown. He'll join us coming up at about 12 minutes past the hour. While we have a moment, I want to thank Dr. Martusio and his staff for being a sponsor of the show for the last couple of months. We appreciate him being on board in the fairly early stages of my new show, by all means, here on Western Reserve Radio. Thank you to everybody that tuned in last week to hear Andrew DiDonato, the head coach of the Grove City College football team, or you went and downloaded the podcast, Western Reserve Radio's By All Means, the podcast. You can find that anywhere podcasts are available for download. Coming up on today's show, after we talk to Greg Brown, I ask the question, is it time for for leagues Not baseball, because they have plenty of time, but is it time for the NBA and the NHL to consider focusing on what to do for next year, or is there hope that both those leagues will still have an opportunity to finish out their year? We've seen NBA players in particular come out and voice their concern. One of those is a Cleveland Cavalier. We'll talk about that later on today's show. We'll also look at the end of ESPN's 10-part documentary, The Last Dance, and I will ask Ryan the ever-important question, was it the flu, was it food poisoning, or was it something else? If you've watched that show, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Ryan will have a chance to answer that for us here coming up a little bit later on in the show. So that is what is on tap for today. At the end of the show, we'll let you know who joins us on By All Means next week right here on Western Reserve Radio and what some of the topics for next week's show will be. Again, pick up the phone. Give us a call here just a little bit. We'd love to have you chime in by calling 330-707-4202. We'll be right back. This is Voice of the Phantoms, Matt Lipsack, and you're listening to Western Reserve Radio. means continues here on western reserve radio brought to you by milk creek golf course and mark so chiropractic let's go to the phones we are joined by pirates play-by-play radio with people greg brown chris for a couple of minutes today hey mark thanks for having me on so what are you doing this extra downtime we don't really have how are you staying well yeah just kind of doing what we do i mean we're, we're just uh you know i think we're all challenged obviously uh, to 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 try and uh, get through the days, and uh, but I've I've been believe it or not been staying pretty busy. We do a, a classic uh, radio show twice a week on our flagship station, um, writing a script each uh, for the uh, the introduction and the postscript for each of those games. Uh, that can be uh, it's an enjoyable task. It's time consuming. Uh, a lot of Zoom meetings. A lot of these interviews that I've been doing. Uh, I started a. Uh, an online 
actually a YouTube show uh, last week that I'm going to be doing every week, which is uh, which, which the production. Uh, it, it takes a, a bit of time. Uh, actually, my son is helping me out with it in my basement. Um, and uh, just, you know, again, just getting through the day. I, Mark, I'm surprised every night I go to bed, I think, where in the world did the, the day go? Um, but still, it's nothing, you know, nothing like calling a Major League Baseball game. So I, I miss it dearly. You know, I had a chance to watch that show that you did with Steve Blast, the first episode. It feels like no matter when you two catch up, it's it's like you, you've been hanging out every day because it was a lot of fun to hear you two guys talk some baseball. Well, he and I become great friends. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, Sit Down with Greg Brown is the title of the show, and he was my first victim. Uh, we, we wanted to try it out uh, with Steve, knowing that he'd be such a great guest and uh, see how it flowed. And now it will, will be a challenge because, you know, I, you know, he and I do have, I think, really good chemistry and we know each other so well. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bring uh, current players into the mix eventually. I'm going to uh, try Bob Walk next. He and I are also good friends. Um, and, and as you know, when you get guys in the business, in the broadcasting business, uh, it, it's easier on the uh, host of the show because the guest kind of knows the drill that, uh, you know, you're, you're looking to, to fill time, you're looking to string some sentences together, and people that aren't in the profession, and I'm talking about just regular guys in sports, the players themselves, many of them don't, you know, because they're, they're not necessarily adept at that part, the media part, uh, they're, they're great players, uh, but they don't necessarily make great guests, they can be more of a challenge. So uh, we're 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 going to get there though. We're we're going to kind of bring them into the mix as we go along here, and and just see what kind of legs this thing has, what kind of traction. It got a lot of hits on uh, on the Facebook, the Pirates Facebook account, and the YouTube channel, and uh, we think that uh, again the the format is unique because we have, you know, I've seen all the Zoom meetings where you've got the the host in the box with the other guys, but. Uh, this was the brainchild of a couple buddies of ours. Uh, we tried it in spring training, and, and really, again, my son uh, had more to do with it than, than anybody uh, to, to put the, 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 the guest in the monitor, in a big monitor, and have him sitting on a couch. Somewhat comical, but it, it works, and it, it certainly worked with uh, with Steve. So I was thinking today, I was scrolling through Facebook ads, and one of them that came up was uh, to buy Pirates merchandise. And I'm looking through, and I see a pair of flip-flops, and right down the middle it reads, Raise the Jolly Roger. And it made me think right away to have you tell the story, which I've heard you tell many times, but it's always an interesting one to me, where that catchphrase for you came from. Yeah, it goes way, way back to the days when I was, uh, you know, a college intern and working in the Pirates front office. And the thought occurred to me one day that, that while we were at our offices were at Three River Stadium, as the Chicago Cubs, when they win a ball game, they put the W for the flag, white flag with a blue W uh, uh, fly it atop Wrigley Field. And I thought it would be really neat if we had a gigantic skull and crossbones flag fly atop three river stadium so that uh if perhaps the the, the folks the commuters going to work in downtown pittsburgh and of course back then every game wasn't on tv uh we certainly didn't have the cable games not all 162 were on tv like they are now uh back then you know you play late at night maybe you're on the west coast 
and you're driving to work the next day, maybe you haven't caught the score, but you look across the river at Three River Stadium and you see this gigantic skull and crossbones flying, you know the Pirates won the previous night's game uh, because, of course, when Pirates captured ships, uh, they, the sure sign was that they would hoist their, their flag. And uh, anyhow, uh, you know, as I became a broadcaster uh, many years with, with my buddy Bob Walk, he would constantly push me to do a, uh, a, a post-game call. Now, I think he was doing that because uh, Bob's such a practical joker, uh, trying to get me to do something silly um, and, and have me fall on my face, which you know, most times I, I, I do well with him. Uh, but he, I, I kept telling him, I said, yeah, I don't want to get involved in that because, you know, that that's not my style. And, and, that, you know, Lanny for Terry was the voice of the team at the time. And there was no doubt about it, it was his call. And I didn't want to take away from him. And he, Bob just kept insisting you look at any announcer over the years. Most of them have their signature calls. This one belongs to the Reds was Marty Brenneman. Of course, years ago, the hall of famer, Bob Prince, uh, and this is a, Lanny's, uh, there was no doubt about it, it was a takeoff from Bob Prince, who we, we had him all the way. Uh, and, 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 and announcers over the years put it in the books, uh, Howie Rose of the New York Mets. But anyway, there had been a call for many, many years, uh, signature calls, and, uh, and I, I did agree with him that, that most times, you know, if you get a good one, it can stick. And uh, he said something like, well, what about the pirate thing, he said, you know, hoist, we started talking about hoisting the colors, uh, or, or, uh, uh, I told him about the, the fact that I, I liked the skull and crossbones flag idea that I had at three rivers. Uh, but, but by the way, that fell flat because the vice president that I took that idea to as a, as a college intern basically threw me out of his office and said, we're not running a, uh, a circus here. Uh, with the pirates. So, but I had that in the back of my mind forever. And so as Bob was bringing this up and kept pushing it and I said, you know, I like that idea. And he goes, well, you know, that's the, they call that the Jolly Roger. How about, you know, hoist the colors or hoist the Jolly Roger. And I, I didn't like hoist, uh, changed it, even though that's proper when you're, you don't really raise the flag, you hoist it. But I wanted to make it uh, something that everyone could not just hoist on a flagpole, but, uh, raise uh, high in the air. If you're at the ballpark, uh, above your head, wave a flag. And, and so anyway, long story. That's what it was, Mark. Uh, that, that's how Raise the Jolly Roger came into being. Do you ever react? Like when I said, I saw those flip-flops today. Do you, when you see your catchphrase on things and in the ballpark, uh, does it ever take you by surprise to, to see it like that? Uh, no, not anymore. Uh, but, but I will say that my brother is an, is an attorney. And when I first started this thing out, and I did this for a couple of years and nobody Nobody knew it because the team was so bad and nobody paid any. The only, it got attention, of course, when we started winning and got into the playoffs. That's when it really took off. In fact, there were, you know, there, there was one time the, 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 the Post Gazette, the Pittsburgh paper, ran a, a front page story about the genesis of Race the Jolly Roger and, and all the, the merchandise that was uh, flying off the shelves. But when I first started doing it, I said something to my brother about a copyright and he, and, and he, he said, well, I'm not a copyright attorney, but let's have lunch with a guy in our firm. So we had lunch and we talked and, uh, you know, it was a couple hours and, and I didn't want to make any money off. It. I thought that's not right, you know, but, but maybe there's something to it. 
uh, and he, he, he talked about all that you had to go through to, to try and, and make it a trademark and copyright it with the expenses, the time. And, uh, and, and I just thought, you know, it's not worth it. And so, um, <laughs> as it took off and then they started putting it on t-shirts and I actually tried to market a, uh, a Roger rag. I've got, I still have a few of them where uh, I have these little, kind of like the uh, the terrible towel, like a smaller, but uh, the, Craig, the, the, you could actually use kind of, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Thank you for joining us. We're up against the break. We'll do it again soon. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Found Phantoms, part of the Live 365 Network and SB Nation. Right back here on By All Means here on Western Reserve Radio, presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. Make sure to book your tee time for the upcoming Memorial Day weekend at MillCreekMetroParks.org and Mark Tuccio Chiropractic. Joined by Ryan for this segment here on Western Reserve Radio. We've actually got a couple of nice days in a row here in our area. Ryan, what about up in the Cleveland area? Yeah, it was funny yesterday. It was like I was in an alternate universe because up here in Cleveland, it was about 55, 60 and rainy. And then I couldn't it it baffled my mind because then I saw all these people posting on Facebook about how beautiful it is. And it's 80 degrees and people are laying out in the sun. And I'm like, what the hell is this? So today, I think we're about on the even playing field. But yesterday we were not. So I'm going to flip-flop topics since you're going to be with me for just this one, and I'm going to ask you the question about uh, the last dance where I want to know, was it food poisoning, was it the flu, or was it a third thing we don't really know the truth about? What do you think? I always thought he had the flu, but I guess after hearing the story about the pizza and all the people delivering the pizza – and if he wasn't sick or anything the night before, and you know Jordan, he doesn't exactly go to bed early by any stretch. Um, it almost makes you wonder if it was some sort of food poisoning. Uh, it, it's it's almost more fun to believe that because then it's like, look at that. Utah tried to play him real dirty and you know, get him sick and make him miss a game so they could maybe go up 3-2 or whatever in the series or whatever the case was. And it backfires on him, and he comes out there sick as hell on food poisoning and and beats you. I mean, part of me almost hopes it's food poisoning because I think it makes the story a little better. And, you know, it's interesting because, like, as I watched it, I'm like, it seems like there's – I'm not calling anybody a liar, but, like, I look at it, and I'm like, there's holes to the story. Like, why would five delivery guys show up to Jordan's door with a pizza? Why would the hotel let five guys up there anyway? Why wouldn't they have, you know, a valet or somebody that works at the front desk take it up? Like, it seemed a little odd to me. Yeah, I mean – Unless that that was the master plan of the community is like, let's get this guy <laughs> sick. <laughs> you know, who knows? I've never been to Utah. Maybe they're like that. I I don't know. I it did seem a little strange when you heard about how many people delivered the pizza and how they I mean, wouldn't normally you just leave the pizza at the front desk and have somebody go get it? I mean, maybe not. Maybe not back then. Um, but it, it's definitely an interesting story. And I, I don't know. I can see it in the back of my mind that if you really want to want to win that title and you're Utah and you know that this might be one of the only chances you get, ah, you might throw a little stale meat on there. I'm, I don't know. 
and then you think about it and you really like you learn just how driven and competitive Michael really was when you, you watch that episode and you know, the rest of his crew ate without him according to the documentary and so when he showed up and he was hungry they ordered a pizza and reportedly he spit on the pizza so nobody else would eat it I'm like you, you can't let your boys have a slice with you Nah, he's he's something else to say the least. I mean, I know that it, it's so weird to me that his legacy has become he's the greatest competitor. He used all these tactics and this and that. And I'm just sitting there watching it going, this guy's an a-hole. Like, <laughs> right? I think that Shannon Sharp was the only one when they told the story about uh, what teammate was it that he wouldn't allow to eat after one of the games. Oh, why can't I? It wasn't um, Brown. I can't remember. Whatever teammate that said that Jordan wouldn't let him eat after he played bad. And Shannon Sharp was like, I'll beat him up. Like, you're not, you're not going to treat me like that. So I might have been one of the few people on the earth watching this documentary and not enthralled and just mystified by how great of a leader and thing, of the, you know, Michael Drew. I'm sitting there going, this guy's an a-hole. Like, he's not a good – he's a jerk. Now, granted, if, if you can put up with that, it'll take you to six titles – and hang six banners and all that. But I was like, man, I wouldn't want to play. And I know that this is not what the, the topic is, but if you had to give me a choice, I'm playing with a LeBron because I think I'd have a lot more fun. Yeah, I mean, there's been so much that's come out of it. Like we saw LeBron speak about how he would be, you know, a, a slightly upgraded Scottie Pippen with him. And then people faulted LeBron for saying, oh, you know, he wouldn't be the number one. Jordan would be his number two. Like, if you watch that video on the, you know, that LeBron did, he held Michael at such a high pedestal as a child and then now as a grown man that I don't think he would ever do that by putting Michael down and be saying, well, he'd be my number two and I'd be the number one option. I don't think LeBron would do that. I don't think he would either. I mean, who would you – I mean, you know, that's just kind of the um, – I guess the, the way it is now is – they somehow, and I don't know if you noticed this too, they almost turned this Jordan documentary into, you know, it, it always turns into the old LeBron versus Jordan debate. And, you know, let me ask you, if you had a, a choice between playing with the two, who would you pick? I would want to play with LeBron, but if all I cared about was rings, I'd play with Michael. Well, you know, you'd, you'd get a couple rings, maybe. you probably take a lot yeah. of L's in the finals, but you might get a few rings. And I watched somebody talk about that this morning and like they just because you haven't won championships. I mean, LeBron should get credit for getting to the finals. It's a hell of a thing to accomplish. He hasn't won all of them like Michael did, but just getting there is a career accomplishment. And I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's done. But boy, you learned a lot of interesting things about Michael and the little things that he either took or made up in his mind to motivate him. Yeah, I mean, the one story about the the one player that had a little better game than him the one time, and he basically made up that he said good game, Mike, to him at the end. And years later, you find out that was not true. And I, <laughs> that's, that's something else. I mean, to just sit there and make things up in your head so you can gain a competitive advantage – I mean, that's something else. To, and you hear other guys do that a little bit. You know, Kobe would do that. Tom Brady's like that to an extent. I mean, you've got to be wired pretty different to have that kind of mindset. Because, I, I mean, I'm competitive. I was very competitive when I was playing sports at any level. Not any high level, but whatever level. But I would never sit there and, you know, if a 
kid was coming down to take a shot on me make something up in my head about how they you know were disrespecting me i mean that's a that's a whole different thing you know i mean the whole thing is interesting and i you learn a little bit more about baseball and if there's never the you know if there's never the lockout that he probably never plays baseball and the whole thing that, that goes with that. I personally, the only way he would have been a major league baseball player is if the White Sox were going to use it as a marketing ploy because he wasn't that good. No, I, the one thing I wonder too is, is it possible that he could have gotten better as time went? I mean, we didn't really get a big sample size and if, I wonder if he would have kept playing what type of player he would be. I, I don't know if he'd ever make it to the majors, but he really gave it such a small window to try it that I don't think he would have made it to the major leagues, but I'm not sure also. I mean, he was a 30-year-old player at the AA level, and he hit, what, just above 200, but then he went to the fall league, and his average jumped up in 30 or 40 points into the 260s. The one thing you know about him is he'd have given it everything he had, just how difficult is it to pick up a bat and a ball for the first time in over 20 years and compete at the major league level? Yeah, I, that's the one thing that makes me wonder, you know, how good he could have been. I mean, to everything you said there, to me, is just kind of remarkable in a sense that he was 30 years old, goes into the, you know, double-A system, still managed to hit over 200. So it's like we, you could do one of two things with that. You can look at that and say, yeah, he never would have made it because of his age and his stats. Or you could say – Holy Lord, this dude just showed up at 30 years old and hit 200 in double A. So I guess it depends on how you want to look at it. I mean, yeah, he drove in over 50 runs. He hit, what, three or four home runs. His second half numbers were way better. And uh, it made for an entertaining year for Terry Francona, if nothing else. How about this? I had no clue that Tito was his manager. Like, I was watching that documentary, and Tito appeared and started talking about it. And I was like, holy Lord. Like, how? Like, if you're Terry Francona. <laughs> How cool would that have been is not only are you yourself a Hall of Fame manager and one of the best to ever do it. Oh, the the, the year or so that Michael Jordan tried to play baseball, I was his manager. I had no clue of that, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, and it, the thing I you took from it is like the what Tito thought it was going to be like and what Michael was going to be like and how hard he worked and how he just wanted to be one of the guys on the team, in the locker room, in the bus. That's I mean, that's how you would have to do it. You can't have that superstar complex when you're joining a bunch of, you know, early 20 year olds at double A. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I thought that was pretty cool. Jordan as well. He could have easily, you know, big timed everything and said, yeah, have fun on the bus. I'm going to be in my limo or I'm going to be, you know, getting driven around. I'm going to go eat at these nice restaurants. So it's funny to me that earlier in this conversation, I could sit there and go, Michael Jordan was an a-hole to teammates. And then you see what he did in double A baseball, where he basically made himself one of the most popular athletes and richest people on the planet. He brought himself down to everybody's level, which so I guess I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but you've worked with me for years and you know that's what I do. So there's <laughs> nothing he, new there. <laughs> he's given you exactly. He's given you a background of where he's Betty, you know, he was driven he was a jerk, but he was trying to make his teammates better, and then he was just one of the boys playing baseball. I mean, 
it's really two different things depending on what sport because one greatest player to ever play the other one a guy trying to figure out if he can hit a breaking ball (laughs) yeah and that is kind of neat it's like the same person trying to do two different sports and you can see just how how great he is at one and where he's at at one and and that has got to be something too if you're him and you go from being the greatest basketball player on the planet now you're trying to work your way through the minor leagues of baseball playing in front of you know what could be just a couple thousand fans when you're used to a sold out you know chicago arena so i mean he it's just it's got to be a really interesting humbling experience to go from the greatest in one sport to just a regular person trying to make it in another Ryan, we're up against a break. We will talk to you next week. We know you got another commitment to get to, but we are going to take a timeout here on Western Reserve Radio. We'll come back with more here on By All Means on Western Reserve Radio. Youngstown, Warren, and Salem's local and national sports talk can be found on TuneIn and the Live 365 app at Western Reserve Radio. WRDB, The Scourge. back here by all means on western reserve radio edition number eight brought to you by milk Creek golf course and martusio chiropractic clinic milk Creek golf course reminds you to book your tea time for the upcoming memorial day weekend at milkcreekmetroparks.org just look for the golf section and you can book your tea time ahead of time for a round of golf it looks looks like to be a warm and for the most part, dry Memorial Day weekend coming up. Big thank you to Greg Brown, radio and TV play-by-play voice for the Pittsburgh Pirates, who joined us in the opening segment since 1994. He's been behind the mic there for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ryan joined us for segment number two. And I got Dave in the studios for Western Reserve Radio. And here's my question for you, Dave. Are you ready? Shoot. Is it time for the NBA and NHL to start focusing on next year? Or do you think there's hope that they can finish out both of those years that we're currently running when the pandemic hit and everything shut down? I say bag it. It's over. It's done. Why put these guys in any kind of harm's way at all? Because you can't guarantee anything at this point. So and unless there's a vaccine, I say bag it. Yeah, you know what? The the example I kind of teased at the beginning of the show was uh, Larry Nance Jr. of the Cavaliers. Larry Nance Jr. has Crohn's disease, and when he takes his treatment, it's been reported that you know your immune 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 system suffers a little bit, and it makes you susceptible to you know viruses, and especially with what's going on in our current situation. And you know what? He's a little concerned about playing. And to be honest with you. I wouldn't blame him if he were concerned about that. No, I wouldn't blame him at all. That That's absolutely ridiculous to make him compromise himself to play a game. Yes, he's getting paid for it. I understand that. It's, it's a job like me and you have. We have jobs we have to do, we have to go to. But unfortunately, he can't do his job from home. Right. So, yeah. But I, I, I can't see where if – would they have to force him to play? If they you know opened what? it back I, up, I mean, how would you how I could have, you do that to somebody at this point? 
it, I don't think you really could. Like the baseball commissioner came out a few days ago. He did an interview and he was talking about, you know, if you're concerned or you're worried about exposing your family, they're not going to force players to participate. So if you, you know, aren't comfortable with whatever they work out, that's how baseball is looking at approaching it. I haven't really heard anything from the uh, you know the NBA or the NHL. The NHL players really haven't done a lot of talking uh, about the situation. The NBA is interesting because the majority of the players want to come back and then they want to play. But it's one of those where like I think about LeBron and you know LeBron's got a pretty good sized family uh, with all his kids at home. Do you want to be away from your wife and your family the entire time the rest of the year would take? Would you be in some type of quarantine where you'd be able to be with your family? The NBA, there's been some rumors floated out there that, you know, half the league would go play in the Orlando area. Half the league would go play out in Las Vegas, kind of like they do for the summer league. But it's one of those where, I know players are not going to be want to be away from their families during this time in, in any way. So it is, it's a situation where, I mean, it's going to be difficult and up to the individual to really determine how they want to handle if they return to play for their given team and then how their individual sport chooses to return. Yeah, it, there's a lot of ifs. I mean... If, if you did split the league like that and moved them into two separate areas, um, like you said, you don't want to be away from your families that long. Like if it was a normal season, you at least have your family there when you're at home. So you're on the road at most seven to ten days at a time, and then you're back at the most, what, 14, I think, in the NBA? Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I mean, yeah, usually road trips you know, can be up eight to ten days, but when you, here's the thing that I'm curious about. The schedule is already laid out for however many games teams have remaining. If you're putting you know, the West Coast teams in Vegas and the East Coast teams in Orlando, wouldn't you have to rebuild the schedule then too to be able to keep those teams without having to travel across the country? Yeah, and as far as I know, I haven't seen anything that the NBA's even put out there to even dictate any of this, at least with Major League Baseball. They at least had a plan to play everything in Arizona and had a plan to do it. But the NBA, I haven't seen anything. I don't think I've even seen anything for the NHL for them to get back to doing anything. You know, there was a lot of like rumor and speculation around the NBA, and we know the NBA has talked to its players and its executives, and there's there been talk about the pay cuts that the players have taken, but it has really been kind of quiet right now. So it makes me wonder one of two things. Do they have a plan in place, but they're not ready to make it public yet? Or are they getting to the point where they may be worrying about we're not going to be able to get this year in and we're going to have to focus on next year. The draft lottery for the NBA, had things been normal, would have been tonight. We'd be finding out, you know, do the Cavs have a top three pick like they seem to do every year? So it's a situation where 
everything is so fluid from day to day and not only from day to day, but the biggest concern, like what you can do in Ohio, you know, the, uh, the, the Cavs have their training facilities open in Ohio for players to go for individual workouts, but no, you know, no team activities, but there's other States in the country that are still on lockdown where you can't do that. And it has to be for me, the biggest, and I don't care if it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, if you let one team practice and train and work out, then you have to, it has to be equal across the board or you can't do it. You can't give any team a, a advantage over another in getting prepared to come back to play. Right, and that's exactly the problem, too. That if, because certain states are opening up and certain ones aren't, you can't do that. It's absolutely impossible. And the other thing is, is, I know Major League Baseball already has a plan for it. If somebody does come down with the virus, they're planning on locking everything down for 21 days. Okay, you open up the NBA and the NHL, you have a lot more player-to-player contact in those two sports than you do in Major League Baseball. Right. The report I read about baseball, it, it may have changed. Is they're just they're going to focus on if a player tests positive, they don't expect to. They they hope to not have to go into a shutdown. It'll be where they quarantine the player, they find the the other players and personnel that they've come in contact with, and test them. That's kind of like the rough plan we've heard about. But like, let's take the KBO, for example, that's been on ESPN every morning for the last couple of weeks, giving us some form of live sports. When their league came back, their plan was if a player tests positive, they're going to shut the league down across the board for multiple weeks. And then, like, if you look at the baseball plan of hoping to be back around the 4th of July weekend, play roughly 80 games, the one article I read today was they want to have the entire year finished. Regular season playoffs have a champion crowned by early November because the doctors are telling us there's a good chance there could be another flare up come November, December that could be worse than the one we went are currently going through. And they don't want to be playing if that when that happens. They want to be done. Right. And the, the whole thing is, too, when you're opening up the states like you are now, you can end up with another flare-up right now. But they're mm-hmm. saying October, November, December, this thing is going to coincide with the flu season. They've already right. they've said that multiple times. As the flu gets worse, this is going to get worse. The only problem is, is there's a potential flu vaccine. No, it's never exactly the same strain. But it will keep you from getting it worse than you would if you didn't get it. There is you know, no it, vaccine for COVID. The biggest thing for me is, and I look at it, and I mean, sports is what we do. But here, I, I put it simply. If you need, there are still people that need tested across the country. There's you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that are going to need to be tested as this goes along. If you're taking away from tests for the population at whole to test college football or NFL or baseball or whatever professional sport you want to mention, because they have to be tested regularly to be able to keep playing if we get back to that point. And you're taking tests away from the average person like you or me or our family members. As much as I would love to be able to turn the TV on and watch whatever live sport it is, 
You can't do that. You have to take care of the population at whole before you worry about bringing back professional sports as much as the country needs it. But it's not even professional sports. You're talking sports all the way down to the high school level for that fact. Mm -hmm. Are are you going to say every Friday night you're going to test every player on a football team, which could be anywhere from uh, 22 to 40 players, sometimes even more? And then not only do you have varsity, you have JV, you have freshman squads, and then you have 7th and 8th grade squads. You're going to use tests every week to test those millions of kids every week where there's somebody else at home that might need that test and it might not be readily available. And the thing about it, too, is, I mean, we're getting quicker and quicker results with some of these tests when they're testing in the right way. Say you're tested thursday afternoon and then you go home from that or you whatever you 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 do as close to normal as possible there's no guarantee unless you go directly home in the quarantine the next place you go is the field for the game you can't get exposed from the time you've tested clean and when you walk onto the field to play your sport all right there's no way to make it work no there is no way especially at the high school level You'd literally have to take these kids out of class, test them, and make them stay in the same area and quarantine them somewhere until game time. And there's no way that's going to happen. As much as all these sports, whether it's high school football to all the little tiny towns across Ohio or just turning on the TV and watching a Major League Baseball game, I I hope they're able to find a way to do these things. I, I really do. But it's going to be difficult. And we're seeing some sports come back. Golf came back over the weekend on a small level. NASCAR came back over the weekend. But it's going to take time. And there's definitely not going to be crowds. I know how hard that was for you to say that part. It was. (laughs) It was very much hard. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, there was no crowds. It was uh, Honestly, I did watch part of the NASCAR race. It was kind of boring without people being in the stands, even though it's still a race. But crowds that you know and I know are a big part of sports. And playing them in empty stadiums, how many people, unless you're the absolute diehards, are actually going to be sitting at home watching them all the time? I mean, if it's your only way to interact with the sport, I think – you will, I mean, you'll get good ratings. That NASCAR race you referenced uh, had over 6 million people watch it, which was a, a bump of about a million and a half people from the last time there was a NASCAR race on TV to the one on Sunday. And I mean, it, it's hard to not have crowds, but I'll tell you, I would rather be able to watch a game with no crowd on TV from my living room than not be able to watch a game at all. But I want to make sure the drivers and the golfers and the pit crew and everybody that's involved, that they're going to be okay, that we don't have to worry about somebody getting sick and testing positive in this whole process as we go through it. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up on By All Means on Western Reserve Radio. Mill Creek Golf Course is now open. Experience the Donald Ross Championship design of both courses where you can book a tee time online at millcreekmetroparks.org. Mill Creek features a newly remodeled golf shop, new cart paths, and is a Callaway-certified club-fitting facility with demo days. The PGA professional staff is now accepting golf outings and leads. For more information, call 330 
740-7112 or stop by and see what all Mill Creek Golf Course has to offer you. You're listening to WRDB, Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting, Youngstown, Warren, Salem, and around the world. Welcome back. We wrap up edition number eight of By All Means here on Western Reserve Radio, brought to you by Milk Creek Golf Course and Martusio Chiropractic. If you're looking for a tea time to get out for this Memorial Day weekend, make sure to go to MillCreekMetroParks.org and book your tea time ahead with the uh, looks like to be pretty good weather for the upcoming Memorial Day weekend. You can find the show on Western Reserve Digital Radio on Facebook, the Live 365 and TuneIn apps, and online at westernreserveradio.com. As we wrap up today's show, a big thank you to uh, Dr. Martusio and his team for being part of the sponsorship of our new show here on Western Reserve Radio. Uh, all of us with Western Reserve Radio have known Dr. Martusio for a long time, and uh, we thank him for being part of that. A big thank you as well to Greg Brown, the radio and TV voice of the Pittsburgh Pirates since 1994, for joining us on today's show. We appreciate him taking a couple minutes out of his day to join us to talk some baseball. We can let you know next week's show. One week from today, we'll be joined by Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher of Irish Breakdown, the Notre Dame channel at Sports Illustrated. We'll talk to him about the return of college football. What will it look like? When will it happen? Will it happen? And how will it be affected across the country? So again, next week, Brian Driscoll, publisher of Irish Breakdown, the Notre Dame channel at Sports Illustrated, will join us next week. A big thank you, of course, to Ryan for jumping in for one segment today. He had something he had to deal with. And a big thank you today for jumping in for segment number five. That'll do it for today's show. You've been listening to By All Means here on Western Reserve Radio, brought to you by Mill Creek Golf Course and Martusio Chiropractic. I'm your host, Mark Means. We'll talk to you next week right here on Western Reserve Radio.